The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Riddle World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short. I should say welcome back, actually. That might be more appropriate. Uh, We've been on a bit of a hiatus. Our last show was during the winter meetings in December, uh, but we're ready to wrap up the offseason now and look ahead to the start of the 2017 season. Yes, baseball is just around the corner, believe it or not. Um, And with that in mind, today we're starting a team check-in series. Uh, Myself and my co-host, Drew Silva, Uh, We're going to do a trip around the league, Um, all 30 teams between now and the start of the regular season. And we're getting started today talking twins with Mike Berardino of the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Uh, Just keep in mind that this interview was recorded just prior to the Dodgers acquiring Logan Forsyth from the Rays. Hey, Mike, thanks for joining us here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so the Twins definitely surprised some folks during Paul Molitor's first season at the helm in 2015, but... It was a vastly different story last year. Uh, lost nine straight games to begin the season and, and just never recovered. Ultimately finished with a team record 103 losses, the worst record in baseball. We saw some changes in the front office this winter. Derek Falvey coming over from the Indians. Thad Levine joining from the Rangers. They haven't been in the job very long, but from what you've seen so far, how are they starting to put their stamp on the team? Well, you saw it right out of the chute. Um and the Jason Castro signing, that that was a signing that uh, probably never would have happened uh, before the regime changed because the Twins uh, didn't see a whole lot of value or at least didn't want to pay for the value in pitch framing, among other things, that Castro brings. And uh, Kurt Suzuki was their play for the previous three years. And, um, and you see what the open market uh, bore for him as he ends up in Atlanta on an incentive-heavy uh, deal. Castro, the Twins are, are not worried about the, the low batting average, um, and nor should they be. Uh, they do think he can affect the game and improve every pitch that they throw, potentially uh, in the course of a long season, whereas uh, you know, the staff of Irvin Santana at the top um, definitely uh, came to be uh, frustrated uh, privately, I'm sure. Uh, they, they didn't throw anyone under the bus, but they had to be privately frustrated, especially with Juan Centeno's pitch framing, which was among the worst in the game, so I, I would say that's uh, right out of the uh, out of the blocks where uh, these guys are, are putting their stamp on things. They, it's not like they've been given a blank check to go out and sign everybody they want. It was a weak free agent market starting pitching wise, and and uh, so they've they've been uh, pretty conservative there. A month ago, I would have expected to be 
talking about the Hall and a Brian Dozier trade, a deal with the Dodgers, sort of looked like a foregone conclusion at one point, at least from some of the national reports. But now it looks like Dozier could go in spring, into spring training with the team and even even begin the season with the team. Um, what's the Twins' thought process right now? And do you see a deal with the Dodgers possibly being revived at some point? Well, the thought process is you never say never, and um, in, they, in Dozier they have someone who fortunately is um, is low ego and uh, is not going to uh, cause a stir if uh, he doesn't have clarity in his situation going into the year, even throughout the year. He, he gets it, he understands that when he signed that multi-year deal um, through 2018, that um, in exchange for that, the Twins had final say. There's no uh, protection of any sort in terms of trade. Um, and the Twins... And the Dodgers have spent a great deal of time this this off season getting to know each other. Um, the problem there is that we talk about the, the, the regime uh, putting its stamp on things. Well, I think they the new regime, Falvey and Levine, uh, now value players and prospects in a similar way to the rest of the industry um, that is analytics uh, savvy. And of course, the Dodgers are at the top of that list. Sure. Um, and and uh, one of the problems, too, I think, complicating factor was that Jeff Pickler was, uh, uh, was sprung out of that Dodgers front office where he oversaw pro scouting and player development and had an intricate knowledge of every player in that system worth uh, asking about in the Dozier deal, and he knew all the warts and all the pluses. And so, at the very least, uh, the Twins were as well-informed as any team has probably ever been for a potential blockbuster trade. And uh, beyond that, from the Dodger perspective, they had to be a little wary uh, anytime the Twins were asking about player X or player Y if that wasn't someone the Dodgers were trying to push uh, into the deal. So Jose De Leon was talked about quite a bit, and um, it does appear that that, uh, he still would be the uh, basis of a potential Dozier deal, but uh, they could not get extra high-end, young, controllable pitching into that deal, at least not the names they wanted, the Twins. And uh, to their to their credit, I would say, they have held the line, and they realize they have Brian Dozer for two years and $15 million more. And uh, it's not like there's any financial reason to push them out the door. They're just trying to capitalize on the fact they have Jorge Polanco, who's essentially a second baseman. That's what he plays in winter ball every year. He's really not a good shortstop, but he's a very good second baseman, and he can hit. And, um, you know, they can make themselves better defensively, in theory, by trading Dozier to the right team for a package of young, controllable talent. But um, to this point, they haven't uh, been wowed. And that was something that uh, they made clear privately and publicly uh, throughout the the winter, that they were going to have to be wowed. It was going to be a deal where they stacked those pieces up and they were going to feel really good about it. It wasn't going to be one of these coin flip sort of deals. And this is sort of a tough market to shop a second baseman. There weren't really many obvious fits exactly. out there. Yeah, I think I heard the Giants at one point, but even they would have to move around some pieces to fit there. So that doesn't help either. But I want to hit hit on some of the notable hitters in this lineup. And starting with Miguel Sano, brilliant rookie season, 18 homers, 916 OPS in 80 games in 2015, but took a step back last year, battled some injuries. There was also the right field experiment, which obviously didn't go so well. I know the goal for him this winter was to maybe lose some weight, but what are you expecting now that he can just concentrate on playing third base? I think that's going to be huge for him. I think he, at the very least he enters the year with a 
with a clear mind and a little bit of a chip on his shoulder now after uh, the strikeouts really rose last year and 35% plus, and, and, he, and he was frustrated uh, by uh, you know the very simple fact that he did not uh, seem to, he didn't feel he was getting respect uh, from umpires in terms of the strike zone, or it seemed like every time he tried to hold up on a check swing, it was a strike. Well, he's a young player, and and that's uh, that's part of the adjustment. He had, he had not uh, arrived uh, off a half of a, a season, a very fine half season it was in 2015, but there was there was still some uh, some learning curve for him, and right field experiment didn't help. That's out the the window now. Now it's a case of can he handle the daily grind of playing third and throwing that big body around? There's a little less of him, I think, from what <laughs> we've seen on the, on the video of him training down in the Dominican. But um, is there uh, is he ever going to be uh, nimble over there or, or particularly uh, mobile? I, I doubt it, but that arm is huge. It's an Adrian Beltre arm, and the Twins, uh, ever since they signed him, have, have looked forward to this day where they could turn him loose for for 150 games, hopefully over there, at least uh, 100 games uh, in, in the field, maybe 50 DHing. Sure. Um, and because uh, he did have some arm problems, the elbow that is uh, had Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago, it barked at him in August, and there was about a three week period where he didn't play in the field at all. Sure. All right. So Byron Buxton, everybody knows the name, consensus top prospect for a long time. Uh, the results in the minors haven't really translated so far in the majors, but that suddenly changed last September when he came back from the minors. Nine homers in over his final 29 games. I know you sometimes have to take September numbers with a grain of salt, but do you think he's finally tapping into that potential? And what do you think he still has to work on? Well, yes, you always take uh, September and in the, the spring stats of March with uh, with a grain of salt because of the competition uh, variance and the fact that uh, so many teams are buried. But in Buxton's case, you know the tools are there, and he just needed to build up some positive uh, memories and some, po- some positive reinforcement at the major league level where what he's doing can work, and he doesn't need to tinker with his swing on a day-to-day basis. The leg kick has been a consistent problem for him. Does he does he have a higher leg kick, lower leg kick? He finally seemed to settle on one that he was comfortable with. He was on time quite a bit in September. That was big. Um, he, he was able to see the ball longer, lay off the uh, ball in the dirt, which is something that he would chase quite a bit. His first three cracks at the major leagues, that was his fourth time up, and, and it did go a lot better. And the biggest thing, DJ, is that he stays healthy. And he gets these, these reps in the major leagues, and he gets through the learning curve in the major leagues. No one's going to work harder than Brian Buck, uh, Byron Buxton. Nobody's going to have a better attitude about it or, or understand that the failure is part of the game. But he needs to be on the field for all this take. And I think 2017 is going to be a very good year for him if he can get those 500, 600 plate appearances. It's crazy. He's still what? He, he just turned 23 years old, if I remember right. I mean, that's crazy. He's a young man. Yeah. Young man. Yeah. Uh, a guy who hasn't received nearly as much attention as Sano and Buxton, and it's understandable, but Max Kepler uh, was really solid out of the gate uh, last season, but faded down the stretch pretty significantly, but still ended up with 17 home runs in 113 games. Showed good patience, walk rate above 10%. Do you think pitchers adjusted to him down the stretch, or was it maybe fatigue, something like that? And what do you think of the power production? Are you buying it? Well, um, Max himself, at the end of the year, when I, when we talked, uh, he uh, he was voted Twins Rookie of the Year by the uh, baseball writers here in, in the Twin Cities, but he said he'd only give himself a C+. He was disappointed 
on balance with his year. Too many errors in the field. He takes great pride in his defense, and, and there were some blips out there. But more importantly, like you say, those final two months after the three-homer game in Cleveland in early in August uh, really capped a five-week period where he just went nuts at the plate with the with the power. No, I'm not buying him as a 30-plus homer guy, but a consistent 15 to 20 homer guy is just fine with that with that plate appearance, the uh, plate discipline, and the ability to uh, to make contact. Um, and he's got better speed than you think for a big man, six foot four. Um, he can he can run the base as well, and and uh, he's hard to double up. So I, I like the uh, the future for Max Kepler, and and the present isn't too bad either. He uh, he did get frustrated at times those final two months, and he did get in in his own head a little bit. And they did pitch him differently. Exactly how I I couldn't say it, it's it's uh, there was some uh, there is a bit of a hole maybe uh, up and in on him as a left hander, and they they might have worked him in that way. He did jam himself a little bit more down the stretch, but uh, he does a very nice job of, of uh, especially with two strikes, of staying within the strike zone, and that's that's a very hard thing to teach a young player. Byung Ho Park, uh, the Twins invested roughly twenty five million in him last year. If you you consider the posting fee and then the contract, uh, the debut was you know he he showed power certainly, but ton of strikeouts. Then he had the wrist injury. Do you think he gets a bit of a mulligan from that first season? Yeah, I think so. Uh, in general, um, Paul Molitor is willing to give him that. Um, the new regime is willing to give him that, and I think it's notable that uh, both the Indians and the Rangers um, a year ago plus uh, had looked into uh, bidding on Park and may have bid on him, but they at least uh, had uh, vetted him. So there's an understanding of the power, uh, the raw power, and whether it can translate to the major leagues. Um quite the way that the uh, the twins were hoping remains to be seen going to have to improve the contact rate a little bit i mean uh, there he was uh, you could pitch to him last year there's a lot of swing and miss how much of that was the wrist that eventually uh, evolved into the hand and caused hand surgery at the end of august we we it's hard to quantify but his confidence certainly plummeted early on and and uh, you know there was a long stretch there in june where he um, he just couldn't get out of his own way so uh, I think a mulligan is a good term for what uh, Bjorn Park will attempt to achieve here in year two. Uh, he'll have more familiarity with everything about the challenge of going from the KBO to the major leagues. Um, uh, does he have the bat speed to do it? I think he does. He just He's going to have to zone up a little bit better. He's, he's going uh, uh, to have uh, to – he was a guest hitter. Molitor uh, snuffed that out pretty early on, and – or sniffed that out, and and, uh, and and it was working to his advantage at times in April, and then the guessing uh, caught up to him, and, and he was always in between. So um, he's supposedly healthy and taking swings back home. We'll see him early in spring training, and, and uh, I, I think it'll help him not to have all the newness factor, both the attention back home and, uh, and here uh, in year two. Another quick question about uh, the starting rotation, and specifically uh, Jose Barrios. Uh, I know there's a lot of excitement about him going into last season. There were starts here and there where he definitely flashed potential, but overall, sort of a disappointing rookie season from him. Do you think he's going to start the year in the minors? Uh, I don't think he's thinking that, and, and I and I think the Twins would like to see him seize that fifth spot in the rotation for sure. Um, they're going to have a wide-open competition in the a terrible uh, rotation by numbers, um, Irvin aside. So uh, Brio, the, Brio certainly has uh, built up enough AAA innings. The hope is that uh, 
that he can uh, flush what he went through last year in the majors. A lot of that was nervousness. It was, uh, it was, a, it was a perhaps uh, the shock value of, of um, close pitches for him not going his way. And if you're going to look for a guy who's going to benefit from Jason Castro's demonstrated ability to steal strikes for his pitchers and make sure that strikes are strikes, uh, Barrios is at the top of the list who would benefit um, and where that can take him in terms of confidence level. Uh, in terms of success, um, we'll find out. I, I do think, though, that the plan is to have him open the year in the rotation. He was better his final three or four starts. He went through more than just um, getting hit last year. The control numbers, the walks per nine. Yeah, nowhere near what we've seen in, in the minors. That, right? yeah. Nowhere, nowhere close. That was that was a that was a, a bucket of cold water in his face. And then um, they also the Twins. Uh, perhaps mistakenly, tried to tinker with his delivery, um, uh, with his arm path, and this was something that had never been an issue for him at any level of the minors as he dominated at pretty much every level. And he got to the major leagues, and there was a sense that whether he was tipping his pitches or he was just giving hitters too long of a look because of the way uh, he took the ball back uh, and they, they were able to see where the ball, what his grip might be as he took the ball back over towards first base more than back towards second, wasn't hiding the ball well enough, all that got in the kid's head, and uh, and the, the very high eight plus ERA uh, showed it. But I do think by the end, he was turning it around. He didn't pitch winter ball; they he wanted to. They did not want him to do it. So so no winter ball. But he is going to pitch for Team Puerto Rico in the WBC. And uh, Edwin Rodriguez, the manager, has told me that the plan is to have him as part of the starting rotation. So that could be a, a confidence builder as well for young Jose if uh, if it goes well. For sure. And finally, uh, Glenn Perkins, what's his status right now? Is, is he someone the Twins are going to be counting on to begin 2017? Well, they certainly are hopeful. They remain hopeful. He's right on his, uh, his progression from a very uh, significant shoulder surgery to repair the torn labrum. Uh, um, this, this, was, uh, this was not a minor procedure back in June, um, but uh, they're going to take it easy with him. Any setbacks, they'll they'll be extra careful. No setbacks so far, supposedly. But I believe he's still, if he's playing catch, it's on flat ground and it's a pretty close distance at this point. But they say that's roughly where they expected him to be. So it's nice that they have Brandon Kinsler back. Um, finally, going to make a little bit of money. The journeyman uh, was eligible for arbitration. He's going into his walk year, so he's going to make just under three million. And will be an interesting piece if he's the closer for the first couple of months, even while they while they give Perkins enough time to make it all the way back. They hope that Glenn Perkins will be pitching in spring games, probably on backfields, um, you know, at some point in the spring. But they're not going to put a hard and fast date on when. That's why I think you'll still see them uh, dip into the free agent pool, probably on the on the on the shallow end of it, but and maybe even with a couple minor league deals, but some. Similar to what they got out of Kinsler last year, they they would like to find a veteran or two uh, to uh, to have as additional insurance at the back of that pen. And just to wrap things up here, let people know how they can follow you on social media, Twitter, etc. I've never heard of it. They, uh, <laughs> no, it uh, I, I would advise them to look at it, Mike Berardino, uh, B-E-R-A-R-D-I-N-O, on Twitter. And I'm on Facebook as well, and I religiously link every story that I write for the Pioneer Press at TwinCities.com. So, uh, and I'll answer a lot of your your uh, comments and and questions, and uh, and even some of the criticisms. We have some fun on social media. So, I'll uh, see you there. Thanks a lot, Mike. All right, DJ.
My thanks again to Mike for joining us. We're going to be churning out multiple episodes per week during this team check-in series, so keep an eye out for that. If you like what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It'll help more people find the show. We'd really appreciate it. You can also find us in various other places, whether you use Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Audio Boom. You should be able to find us. You can find me on Twitter at DJ Short, and I'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.